to episode 43 of the Counties of England podcast. In this week's episode, we will be covering the county home to the Geordie accent, the county home to the Tyne Bridge, and the county home to Newcastle-upon-Tyne. The last clue should have been the giveaway, but nevertheless, this week we will be covering the county of Tyne and Weir. Tyne and Weir is a county located in the northeast of England. It is bordered by only two counties, Durham to the south and Northumberland to the north. It has a population of 1,136,371, which puts it as the 16th largest county in terms of this statistic. In terms of area, it is the 5th smallest county, and so in terms of population density, Tyne and Weir houses 5,411 people per square mile, which puts it as the 7th largest county in terms of this statistic, which isn't really surprising given its population relative to its size. And yeah, it makes sense considering it contains the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. It's split into five regions, which are Gateshead, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, North Tyneside, South Tyneside and Sunderland. The median salary in Tyne and Weir is £27,720, putting it below the UK average of £31,500. The unemployment rate is 6.72%, which puts it well above the UK average of 4.8%, and the average house price, according to Zoopla estimates, is £183,991, which puts it well below the national average of around £330,000. All of these statistics represent a big difference from the county discussed in the previous episode, Surrey. Tyne and Weir is split into 12 different parliamentary constituencies, and every single one of them is represented by a Labour MP. This also represents a big change from the county discussed in last week's episode, Surrey, which was split into 11 different parliamentary constituencies, all of which were represented by Conservative MPs. So, in many ways, Surrey and Tyne and Weir are polar opposites. The Geordie accent is one of the most famous and iconic things about Tyne and Weir, and is widely considered to be the regional dialect of the county. It is the oldest English regional dialect, and the northeast is the only part of England where the original Anglo-Saxon language has survived from thousands of years ago. Other dialects have lost this heritage over the centuries, with the gradual introduction of Latin and French influences. It is renowned through the UK and the world as the most difficult British dialect to understand. Despite a variety of theories, it's unknown why the Geordie accent is called so. Some say it's to do with the region's support of King George I in the 18th century, but this has never been confirmed. It's not just people from Newcastle that speak Geordie. In fact, this dialect is prominent in the entire northeastern corner of England. This clip will explain a little bit more about the history and sort of the science behind the Geordie accent. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I return. Hello, canny lad. These phrases can be heard resonating through the streets of England's northernmost city every day. In 2008, the Geordie accent was voted the friendliest accent in the UK the one most likely to put you in a good mood, as well as the sexiest. Now, ten years on, with droves of tourists flocking to the northeast for the Great Exhibition of the North, is the dialect still viewed in as high a regard? 
However, the Language Gallery reported last year that Geordie has actually been overtaken as the sexiest accent of the year by the Northern Irish and Welsh accents. So what is it that makes the Geordie accent so appealing? Adam Mearns is a professor of linguistics at Newcastle University. It has been found by studies that have been done and people do find a Geordie accent to be a friendly one, an accessible one. It can be sometimes that there's a, a positive um, attitude towards the Geordie accent in distinction to something like RP or Southern accents. If those are seen as posh, then something that's not that, like a Geordie accent or a Liverpoolian accent, is seen as more friendly because they're different from the thing that's being seen as posh. A lot of the sounds that still characterise uh, Tyneside accent are found in Old English words and it's changes that have occurred later on in other accents that have created the difference from the normal kind of way that people think of it is that RP is the standard accent and therefore other regional accents have somehow departed away from that in some way and that's not the case. So um, while well, something obvious like uh, tune that reflects that ooh sound reflects the Old English sound. The Tyne Bridge is a bridge located in Newcastle and it is probably one of the most famous things about Newcastle. And whilst there are other similar bridges, one at nearby Wylam and other famous ones in Sydney and New York, none of these can match the Tyne Bridge in the affections of Tynesiders. A new bridge had been proposed many times, but in 1923, serious plans were afoot in the two councils on either side of the river to obtain the necessary powers. The bridge was by then urgently needed to accommodate the increasing vehicular and tram traffic and providing employment for hundreds of for hundreds of men at a time of increased unemployment was also a factor. The corporations of Newcastle and Gatehead sought an act of parliament in 1924 and with government financial help construction began in 1925. Navigational clearance was always a factor to be considered in bridge building on the Tyne, and this is reflected in its height above water. Dorm and Long of Middlesbrough were the contractors, and Mott, Hay and Anderson the designers, using a modified design based on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, already under construction for seven months by the time the work commenced on Tyneside, and completed in 1932 over three years after the Tyne Bridge. The Tyne Bridge was the biggest single-span bridge in the UK when opened by King George V on the 10th of October 1928. Since then, it has had several renovations and has been repainted in the original green. At either end are granite towers which house lifts, although they are no longer in use. Trams ran over it from 1928 until 1950, and bus services have always used it though never trolley buses, Gateshead never really having a trolley system. The bridge carried the A1 trunk, or Great North Road, from, south, from the south of Scotland, which then ran through the centres of Gateshead and Newcastle. Firework displays have taken place from its structure, and people have abseiled over its sides. Many, many ships have passed under it, mostly colliers on their way to or from Dunstan, or Derwent Thor states. Some fun facts about Tyne and Weir include Grangertown is the historic heart of Newcastle upon Tyne, and it was designed in the 1830s by the internationally renowned Richard Granger, a builder and developer. 40% of buildings in the area are listed as being 
of historical and architectural importance. Gray's Monument was erected in 1838 to commemorate the Reform Act of 1832, drafted during Earl Grey's time as Prime Minister. It was designed and built by Edward Hodges Bailey, who also built the Nelson's Column and Benjamin Green. The Granger Market, as mentioned before, opened in 1835 and was Newcastle's first ever indoor market. The city acquired its first art gallery, the Lang Art Gallery, in 1901, so named after its founder Alexander Lang, a Scottish wine and spirit merchant who wanted to give something back to the city in which he had made his fortune. In 1849, Robert Stevenson's High Level Bridge of 1849 opened, and it was the it was the first road slash rail bridge in the world. The town moor, lying immediately north of the city centre, is larger than Hyde Park and Hampstead Heath put together, and the freemen of the city have the right to graze cattle on it. The original Theatre Royal was opened on the 21st of January 1788 and was located on. Mo- on Mosley Street next to Drury Lane. The present Theatre Royal on Grey Street first opened in 1837, designed by John and Benjamin Green and has previously celebrated its 175th birthday. The Lit and Phil has operated since 1793 and was founded as a conversation club. The library inside is the largest independent library outside London, housing more than 150,000 books. The Tyneside Cinema on Pilgrim Street originally opened as the Bijou Newsreel Cinema in 1937 and was designed and built by Dixon Scott, great-uncle of film director Ridley Scott. Newcastle was the location for both the 1971 film Get Carter and the 1988 film noir thriller Stormy Monday. And that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. As ever, I really hope that you enjoyed it. Next week's episode will be on Warwickshire, so stay tuned for that on the 30th of October. Have a good week until then, and I will talk to you again next Saturday. (laughs) 